Hello everybody, this is Loki Away of Loki and welcome to Know It Podcast. Here it is my job to interview the extraordinary games out there, whether it be challenge runners, games who've completed games without taking a single hit, speedrunners who've completed games in mere minutes, and those who've completed games entirely blindfolded, or the amazing YouTubers and streamers out there who create amazing, engaging content online. Today's guest is Bubzia. That's Bubzia, B-U-B-Z-I-A on YouTube and Twitch, and Bubzia1 on Twitter. Bubzia is a renowned blindfolded speedrunner, having completed many games completely blindfolded, including Super Mario 64, both 16 stars, 76 and moving on to 120 stars soon, Pokemon Red, Ashura's Wrath, and many more. Not only just completing the games, but with some going even further, speedrunning the category. As well as going on to showcase his runs at many events, including GDQ, ESA, and RTA in Japan, which we go into. In this conversation, we go through the various techniques used in blindfolded speedrunning, including memorization, normalization, and the very audio uses in the games for blindfolded running. How Bobzier approaches learning a completely new run, his interest in not just completing games, but going even further, refining the routes and going faster, as well as games that ended up being nigh impossible to complete blindfolded. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bobzier. Uh, right. Right, Bubsia, thanks so much for taking time out to come on the podcast today. How are you doing, man? Hey, yeah, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me here. No worries at all. We're going to go into all things blindfolded running, but where better to start than at the start, I guess. Um, so I was interested if your first introduction to speed running was a, a certain uh, game speed run or a blindfolded speed run, which came first? What came first in terms of like discover? Like speedrunning was visual speedruns. I first saw, I think, a GDQ run of um, of Super Mario 64, and it was way back then, like one or two years even before I started actually speedrunning. Um, in terms of starting, like I did blindfolded first and then visual. <laughs> like my first speedrun was kind of a blindfolded one already. And what was the introduction or I guess inspiration to? That you saw blindfolded and went okay that's 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 gonna be mine i want to try that it was um i can actually pinpoint it pretty precisely because it was runner guys um like runner guys a very talented ocarina of time and moras marks like a zelda speedrunner was frequently on gdq and other events too also performed blindfolded on these events and i remember a runner guy had in like 2000 oh god 15 16 um, he did like a hundred percent challenge of Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. where he tried to beat like the game, like segmented, not as a like speed run, but just beat the game hundred percent multiple sessions blindfolded, and he did it all for like a charity event. So he donated all the donations that came in to charity, and I very much remember like in the last in, in the last stream of it, I was watching I was watching him and. I found it so fascinating how he did like the last tower escape sequence and it really stuck with me somehow. So what was the first step into blindfolded? What was the game and if it if it matters what was the category? Um for myself it was Super Mario 64. It was my very first speedrun and blindfolded speedrun and back in the days there was no category yet for it. So nobody had really done it before. Um so what I just what I did was I just started doing some stars, like the single stars, uh, single challenges to try out what is possible even, what is not possible. And yeah, with time, I just got more and more and I came to play with the idea to like do a full run one day. And then a few months after that, I finished I finished it <laughs> with the 16 star category. We'll be going to align to techniques involved in blindfolded running, but I'm interested how your first approach was in learning those stars back then? My very first approach is 
<laughs> very different from what it's now, I think. Maybe actually not that different, but the techniques were definitely not as as refined as they are now. So basically, like in the core, it's always the same. You have like a, it's like a, you transform all these games to like a little, basically like a puzzle, like a logic puzzle, <laughs> because you have like A and B point, like a starting point and the point where you need to get basically or where you have to go and you have to find somehow a consistent way to get from a to b and that's always like even to this day i still do the same approach that yeah i start with this and then like i create the like little sub problems like okay first let's let's go from start to the this wall for example then from this wall to the end for example and then like you just break it down to like smaller and smaller segments until you like find strategies to to do it and in the very beginning, it was pretty similar like that, just very, very slow and unoptimized. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, there was nothing like these days we have way crazier techniques for all these things. So with Super Mario, did that end up, so doing it star by star, I guess that's also a segmented practice to get ready for doing a full run, like a 16 star run. Was that your first full run? Yes, it was. It was. I think I got around like... 30 or 40 single stars first and then i switched to like route the necessary stars because they are different than like just grabbing random stars uh, for the 16 star run and the i did like the boss fights and everything too and then i think in i think it was august 2017 i finished the first 16 star run what was the trigger for that of interest like going through uh, getting each star what was the okay i want to try doing a, a i guess a complete run or a full game run yeah, it's, it's a good question. I honestly don't really know. It was just like fascinating that like it, it, it seemed more and more like it might be possible. Like, like, wow, I didn't think this would be a thing and it might be a thing. <laughs> so I really, I really didn't assume at the beginning that like, because I didn't, I was like no speedrunner or anything back in the days. So I was just like a random guy who liked video games and yeah and for me it was like very mind-blowing that like wow i might actually be able to like do a full run and it's it's crazy <laughs> what is it about mario 64 that it sort of has big ties with uh blindfolded running because i know a lot of people have attempted that as their first uh venture into blindfolded let's say yeah um i think it has multiple reasons actually most like a very very big reason for it is it's definitely that it's just such a famous speed game, I think. Like, the community is just so huge, and if you ask any speedrunner, they would probably know at least something of the SM64 speedrun. Like, it has, it is so iconic at this point, it's, it's so huge that I think that's where a big part of the interest comes from. And second of all, it's also, in my opinion, the, um, the options of movements and abilities that you have, because it is a very, very, it's, it's, it also applies for the visual speedrun. Like, you can play it casually and you can play it like, as a speedrunner and it looks very different like you have so much like movement options that you can like explore in depth and make use of and for blindfolded it's exactly the same like there are so many like normalized movements and like special kind of bufferings and everything that you can use in this game that like as a casual player you would never even think about these but like for blindfolded it's a very like both beginner friendly game and a game where you can really like optimize the the movement that you after all use so i think it's a very great mix for like a blindfolded speedrun is there any features of a game or 
is it purely interest on what makes you want to do a certain game blindfolded? Mm, for me, it's it's very very random. I would think <laughs> it's not really it's not really that like I see a game and I I am like okay wow this has cool movement this I have to blindfold. Like of course if I find a new game and play it casually first and then I see like wow this has pretty cool movement then. I'm more inclined to do it blindfolded, but at this point, I'm just really like, I like to try out many different things and I've done so various kinds of genres and like RPGs, action games, fighting games, platformers, everything. So I, I, for me at this point, it's just like a complete mess. I just like <laughs> take what I can get into my hands. I think before we go any further, I guess down the rabbit hole, it'd be good to go into techniques involved in blindfolded running, but a step just shy of that, uh, just what I was wondering from what you're mentioning, how is the experience of visual uh, visual speedrunners as in people who just i guess speedrun quotations normally uh, experience of theirs moving from that into blindfolded running normally um yeah it's it's a very like i find it very interesting too because for example in sm64 there is the current world record holder in blindfolded is also like a very big top runner in in the visual category if i can call it like that yeah i always say like visual runners but yeah it's as you said like the normal way of speed running yeah. <laughs> um but yeah um i think it definitely comes with like benefits if you know like all the game already like so deeply that you are very good at like a normal speed run edit but i don't think it's like all there is to a blindfolded speed run i definitely don't think that if you are like a very good speed runner visually then you can just you like decide to challenge yourself and do a blindfolded speedrun. I think there is like it's there is like other skill sets involved too, like not only like memorization, for example, but you need like a very different kind of approach to to the run because it's more like the routing has a way bigger part of of like the whole run than like optimizing movements, for example. So if like a visual speedrunner comes into blindfolded, I saw it many very often. I had like. I talked with many like very good runners in various games and first they were all like thinking like yeah probably i could do like this boss fight or this boss fight or i don't know this this segment blindfolded and then they try and yeah it doesn't look very very good <laughs> because they just are so used to like for example camera movement that like, mm -hmm. like they do it so subconsciously and if you are devoid of sight then yeah, you can't like readjust the camera for example and it changes like everything so i think it's like it's it's very very interesting for me i i really like to hear stories of like normal speedrunners trying blindfolded for the first time and especially hearing like success stories where a good visual runner actually like gets really good in blindfolded too it's super cool because i think a misconception around blindfolded running and was one that i had to a degree before i did more research into the topic was a lot of it is muscle memory yeah exactly it's it's i think the one of the smallest parts of it for sure so could you go into we'll start with memorization and normalization could you describe for someone who may not be aware what normalization is yeah so what we we use the term normalized movements or normalized positions for like first i start with normalized movements maybe we refer to this as like moves that like reliably gets you from point A to point B, or like it's a move that always has the same outcome if you input it the same way. 
So for example, if you have like a dodge roll in a game or like a backflip, it always moves you like a certain amount of units to the left or to 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 the back or front or something. And very often, like if you don't even need to like input anything on the analog stick, but the character just moves on its own, for example, like hundred units back or something. So you always exactly can like basically calculate where you will be after this movement. Because if you use the analog stick, like you can imagine, okay, I should be around here and there, but you are never like exact um, where you think you are because there's always like a tiny bit of like, yeah, bit of up or bit of left and it's always different. So with normalized movements, we, we mean, or like normalized setups, we mean setups that like reliably get us from point A to point B without any like inconsistent parts inside for example yeah if you reach like a corner then do like three backflips then like two punches and then jump once to the right then it's like always the same no matter what happens you input these the sequence and then you basically have the same outcome and with normalized positions it's kind of the same thing but we use it for like reliable spots in the geometry of a game where you can 100% be certain that like you know where you are for example if you if you have like a corner where you can also like ledge grab let's say in in some games or if there is a certain door um that makes an animation sound when you open the door then you know okay i opened the door i know exactly where i am and it will like or for example another example <laughs> if a cutscene starts and you skip the cutscene in a game you most likely will be always put into like an initial position again where you can like start the, the next chapter or something and so these are like normalized positions where no matter what happens you will also always certainly know where you are so as potential visual then a normalized position an example that comes to mind for me is in Celeste, for example, where each screen you can press retry and you will spawn in the exact same spot. That'd be an example of a normalized position because you know that position is going to be the same every single time. Yes, exactly. That's perfect. That's a, that's a perfect example. <laughs> and normalized setup would be, let's say in Super Mario 64, a backflip would go a, a fixed distance. So it would require three backflips to a certain spot. And by doing those three backflips, you're doing the same. You'll be going the same distance every single time to get to a certain position that you need to. Would that be yep. the setup? That's right. That's right. So there's normalized movement, and then because I went through, and there's a, a very great uh, video that uh, Bubsy did called the ten, or uh, it maybe getting the title slightly wrong, but ten blindfolded techniques. Um, along those lines, you'll have to uh, correct me on the longer title. I know it's a bit longer than that. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's normalized where it's the same every time, uh, pretty much. But then there's also semi-normalized, correct? Yeah, that's also something. Um, like all these terms are, of course, like kind of just floating around in our community. It's not like we have like a Bible where they are like dead set <laughs> what it means or something. But uh, yeah, for semi-normalized semi movement, I like to refer to as i said for example the or like if, if you go to celeste maybe there are like the dashes right like you can dash in the air for like to like left and right and like let's say you hold the analog stick like neutral and just like do like a dash to the left like with a tap or something like you, you tap dash to the left like it gets you always into like the same position kind of to the left and 
Now, the difference between this and the semi-normalized movement is like if you do it while running, maybe, or like while jumping, then like if you, for example, yeah, okay, actually, it's not a good example. <laughs> now that I think about it. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to like define very clearly, but let's, let's maybe go back to the backflips in Mario 64. This is, this is the, this is a perfect example. So if you do a backflip without touching the analog stick, you always get like exactly X amount of units. But what you can also do is during the backflip holds into a direction and then the backflip moves a bit. Mm -hmm. So it can, for example, if you backflip while holding down on the analog stick, it gets you further away. And that you can use for semi-normalized movement because what you can do is you can do the same kind of setup, like you do three backflips, but all three of them you hold down. And that means you will always land in like pretty much the same position, but depending on like how fast you mash or like how fast you hold down on the analog stick, it will change like a tiny bit. So sometimes when you don't need to be exactly precise, you can use like this kind of movement to make things faster and optimize them in like for the for the trade-off of being a bit less precise on your end result position basically if that makes sense <laughs> yeah definitely i think i guess i noticed or at least thought of whilst uh, thinking about these these di uh, the differences was that i guess normalization is a, a the method of how to do this to complete it blindfolded or semi semi-normalized or semi-normalized movements they get introduced more as like the speedrunning aspect uh, takes over more so like if you manage to complete super mario 64 16 stars the normalized movements that you do in that slowly become more semi-normalized as you try to to get that time down i guess mm, yeah it's it's a very good example for example we exchange like the not my very first 16 star run for example i used many of these setups that i did like oh, the setups back then were crazy i did like 50 punches 10 backflips like really long sequences of just like slow movement back to back and now these 50 punches which took like two minutes to perform we do in like two seconds because mm -hmm. we just like do two long jumps for example so it's it really helps with speed for sure i touch on that for a sec so as um Bubsy has some documents in his Twitch about page uh, that brings up a a like Google Docs of strats and the routes for his runs and to me they look like lines of code kind of thing because they're all like abbreviations like jump uh, jump is uh, a certain uh, letter and goes through like that and I'd be interested to know how what you see when you're I guess when you've got your blindfold on uh, do you go through like those lines or those movements or do you visualize the game as you're doing it um so for me is it's a like mixture i i visualize the game based on how i practiced to perform my strats so i don't like i don't like dynamically visualize i mean it, oh god it's, it's very hard to explain so <laughs> I visualize the game, but I mostly like in my brain stick to my strats that I like write down, as you said, like, for example, the like at point number one jump and then do the backflips and then hold left or something. So I have these numbers in my head, but I basically remember those numbers based on the visualizations that I memorized while practicing. So what I do with, uh, maybe that's interesting to know for that too. Like if I practice a blindfolded run, I like barely any time have my blindfold on. I 
practice everything like visually mm -hmm. and then i just run blindfolded because like i visualize the game as i like practice it basically so it's it's like a mixture of of the game visuals and the numbers and strats and everything at once. <laughs> so is that your main way, I guess, of memorizing a run through, I guess, a, a quotation sort of muscle memory, not not precisely muscle memory, but you're practicing the visualization as you're like rooting it yourself, or do you have a separate? Yeah, I think for me, it, it's very, like this whole process of writing these documents is like a big part of learning it. Um, because like I spent so much time on writing down every single input and every single setup that after I finish a document like this, I like I know that like my memory will be ready for the run because I like don't need to really practice much anymore since I already like like stretched out everything. So what I do afterwards is just like re refresh my memory and then I'm basically good to go. So yeah, it's I definitely wouldn't call it like muscle memory because that's like. Again, for me, it sounds always like, I mean, yeah, it's true. It's kind of muscle memory, but <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Like, I have to stick to my strats. If I just like do it visually and then close my eyes and try it, I will definitely fail. Like, it's very important that there is this combination of strategies and visual memory, I think. How, I guess, narrow do you segment a run? Uh, so for, say it was a 16 star run again, it would be down to the star, but then... How far would the, that individual star be then split up into? Or if another another game is easier to describe? Um, you mean like for practice or like general segmented, like uh, blindfolded runs? So if you were learning, say, level, mm -hmm. how much would that be split up into in order to, to root, practice, and learn as you go? Mm, so I basically, like... I really split it up all the way down to like every single input. Mm -hmm. um, I I really like, as I said, I like first picture the big problem, like what I need to do, and then like the sub problems of how to solve them individually, and then like I form this like A to B route. Um, but it goes so far down to like literally from start, I write down every single input, for example, or, like I I memorize and learn every single input that I need to do to get from from A to B, mm -hmm. after all. So very, very into a deep down <laughs> level. <laughs> Moving just a step away from those two techniques for a moment, could you describe some of the audio techniques used? Um, yes, that's also something, again, going f very much from this point of view to optimize for like speed and like the speed running aspect. Mm -hmm. um, because there are many different techniques involving music and like the beat that can help tremendously in blindfolded. Uh, one of them, like I think the most common that instantly would come to mind is just like simple music cues. For example, you uh, you wait for some audio cue from an enemy and then based off that like react and jump for example when you hear the enemy approaching mm -hmm. um that's like the the sim the most simple thing and that's also very likely required if you just want to beat a game not like with the speed aspect mm. so there are these sound cues we very often use also music cues so uh, for example you listen to like the bgm if it's like on a on a level timer for example um if there are like platforms that go up and down like an elevator or yeah like moving platforms also for example in celeste or any kind of platformer um then what you can very often do is like if there is a certain point that the music starts and 
the platforms are very often synced like to the beginning of the music if you reset the stage for example and then we use this kind of we we search for a specific point in the in the music for example like a high note or like a very very unique note and then when that note hits in the music we know like the position and state of the cycles of the platforms that's very very useful it's a bit more advanced i would say but it's definitely it helps so so much if you have any game with any kind of cycle it, it's like the to go way how to solve this problem um and then most importantly is beat counting we call it mm -hmm. beat counting is the absolute holy grail of blindfolded speed running i would say um because yeah in, if it comes to speeds and actually speed running you can basically forget 90 percent about normalization and semi-normalization at this point what we do in like speed runs if they are very good and optimized we we basically transform these games to rhythm games so in SM64, also, um, at least my route like, is 90% completely bound to like the, the background music rhythm. So I have every input like written down as like a, a rhythm game that I play it out. For example, like uh, if there is a music that starts like dun, 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 and like there's this kind of music, and I just count like one, two, three, four, five. Like, like in the in the tempo of the music, mm -hmm. then everything is mapped out. For example, on one, I hold up. On two, I jump. On three, I long jump. On four, I hold up left. On five, I hold up again. And like every single star, for example, in Mario is routed out like this in like around 20 to 30 beats. And then the star is in your hands, basically. So we basically transform the game into a rhythm game and make it very fast. So is beat counting taking a consistent like using the music to get a consistent like every single note is equal to a button input and once you reach a certain level uh, that would get you to the end exactly yeah because like you can what you can do is like if you just you could also count like seconds in your head like i hold up for two seconds and then i jump and then i hold left mm. but as the movements get more complex especially in like especially in like um more movement heavy and complex games like super mario 64 um like if you just count seconds it will never work out very precisely and you will most likely after yeah, like maybe you can get lucky and like get the good counting but if you count the background music it's something constantly plays so you actually have like a, a audible like response to to your inputs basically and because of the beats you can also break them down to like half beats quarter beats like like in music theory so if there's like a dun dun you can always cut it down to like to half like dun 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 and you can like basically count the music as tiny as you want and if you have a very complex movement all you need to do is cut the beats smaller and like make put more inputs in between so for example at one you hold up 1.5 you jump at two you hold up left and 2.5 you jump again for example so you can make very complex movements that look like fake even <laughs> like many people tell me it looks like fake how, how we move so fast and fluent and blindfolded and it's the power of beat counting it's just like we we mapped it out beforehand so well that we just have a fluid like very similar to visual speedrun looking movement it's interesting because i'm seeing the like how in something like mario 64 that'd be like perfect right is there any examples of games that beat counting doesn't do as well with or is it just turning up the music volume i guess <laughs> <laughs> actually i had a few cases um i did for example in near automata 
it's like a action rpg on on the newer consoles there it's funny and it's very fun because i don't beat count a single time i think in the entire run it's like a three hour long run with also crazy movement we go like out of bounds we skip parts with like high jumps and stuff and there's not a single beat count and why that is first of all yeah we tune the music basically completely down in the before the run starts because it's so loud that you miss like 90% of other audio cues you need to listen for. So that's one thing. The other thing is it has very great um, like sound design, I would say. For example, if you if you step on different surfaces on the floor, you have very different, very unique different sound responses. For example, grass sounds very much like you walk on grass, then like stone has like the click, 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 and wood has a different sound, and every kind of floor has a different sound, basically. Um, so you can very easily like identify where you are um, from just walking around. Um, there is a very great system to count movement, which is just like in dashes. So instead of counting, like beat counting all the way up to like A to B, point A to point B, we just use dashes because it is the fastest movement also in the visual speedrun. So while like it also gives a certain audio cue when you do it so you can count it, it's countable. It's like very perfect. You, you do basically don't need to beat count because it's already the fastest movement that there is. Um, a second example that does not really involve beat counts is Pokemon Red. Okay. Um, like the first, I, I mean, actually every Pokemon game is kind of the same in that regard because um, <clears throat> it has a very static way of inputs. So imagine there's a lot of memorization with something like Pokemon with how yes, it, how the game plays. Exactly, is. Pokemon is definitely more a challenge of memory memory than of inputs and like gameplay. I would say it's a very long run and very complex in terms of memory and uh, numbers. You have to memorize lots of numbers because like you don't have complex movement like on an analog stick or anything. It's just you press up once and the character moves exactly one tile up. So basically every movement is automatically normalized because it's a tile-based game. So in these kind of scenarios, like you wouldn't really need beat counting because what would it help you? You could just like tap five times instead of like holding right maybe, but it doesn't really save time. Uh, we use beat counting for, for example, RNG manipulations though, because um, there we need to like, it's like the frame perfect inputs you do after you have to like reset the console and then hold like specific buttons on the menu. And there, for example, we beat count, but that's just because the precision needed again, like beat counting helps you to get this super precise inputs with the like quarter beats and everything. I'm just thinking now, so, like I want to stick with techniques for a sec, but it's just crossed my mind, like, mm. like Pokemon with the, like, I don't like critical hit is the first thing comes to mind with that kind of thing. Uh, but I guess that would just be having to return from the Pokemon Center if if a run goes badly along the same yeah. route as a backup. But yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I think just... it's mostly like if if you die or get unlucky, you have like a backups routed for like every Pokemon Center where you could like potentially respawn, for example. A couple of factors in 3D games, I guess this would be quite important, would be to do with something could you, uh, um, pardon me, input buffering. Could you describe what that is? Um, yeah, it's also a very, very, very important technique, actually. <laughs> so on many 3D games, it's a bad problem that if you have an analog stick, first of all, it's a bad problem that they stop producing controllers with notches. Like on all the PlayStation consoles, on the newer Nintendo consoles, even Xbox controllers, none of these have notches, which are extremely important for blindfolded. So um, yeah, 
notches are extremely important and it sucks that they really stopped using them much the last good one was like on gamecube and then Wii classic hmm. um because yeah it's it's harder than you think that even actually like inputting straight up or like straight to the right like if you're blindfolded you just push to the right but can you be 100 percent sure that you push like straight to the right and not like a tiny bit up or something and especially in newer games in like newer 3d games the analog stick is so sensitive that like a tiny a tiny difference in like up or upright makes like a big difference in the character because they make it like very they want they want to make it as fluent as possible and stuff so it's like if you want if you wanted to get like 90 degrees right you don't know whether you're going to be anything from zero to 90 could be mm -hmm. at any sort of angle yep exactly so that's is a problem that notches can solve because there you 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 notch your analog stick in and then you know 100% okay I get this angle even if like the notch is not perfectly centered or anything you can still like strategize with that notch still and yeah and input buffering is a technique where many people actually don't know it from the analog stick I think but like from the example of punch out because it was so big in the GDQs blind for the punch out it basically like input buffering basically means that you press a button or like you make some inputs that will get registered at a certain time in the future <laughs> at like at a predictable time though so for example if an animation plays and you hold start holding a during that animation then as soon as the animation ends this a input gets started um in punch out that's the case for example you can punch and if you during the punch press a again then as soon as the punch stops he punches again so you can like basically like make frame perfect inputs very easily if you just press a during the animation and then it just makes like a frame perfect punch that's like the easy case then we also used to post buffer or like not only post buffer there are many different ways to buffer but we used to buffer inputs on the analog stick very often to get as i said into certain notches for example so if we start from like a neutral position and we want to get for, let's say to the upright notch on the controller like if you just go upright like with your hand on the controller then there is like this tiny tiny room between the upright notch and the neutral position where like the control stick like travels to the notch and again in many newer games especially on like since ps4 and ps3 um and especially 3d games this tiny in-between state from neutral to notch already makes like the character move for example and makes the character like respond so you can't really get very 100 percent precise results with that um so what you want to do is somehow buffer the upright notch and in 90 percent of all games you can do this with pause buffering which means you pause you probably get into some menu or something and during that menu you can start holding upright into the notch and then as soon as you unpause the character will like instantly be upright notch and not uh, in the sweet in-between room that you can just like input when you do it without the pause so basically you use the pause to like cover this in-between room and make a more precise input so if you were doing if, if you were doing it on pause trying to get to that top right position if you did it normally there'd be the chance that you would, the character would move off to the side but by pausing getting that into position once it unpauses the character will then change to the 45 degree angle let's say um, mm -hmm. that top right position through that pausing and letting once unpause the analogs in that position causing the turn is that right yeah that's right 
That's what I exactly mean. Not the final, I guess, but one of the biggest issues I've experienced in my very small experience with Blindfolded and uh, know from other runs is camera in 3D games. What yeah. <laughs> methods are there for dealing with <laughs> the camera, I guess? Yeah, cameras always, always, always a problem. <laughs> Unfortunately, as much as I would like to say something else, in many cases, it is just the doom of the run. Like many games are deemed unblindfoldable just because the camera sucks. <laughs> um, it's very unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, many games, like not many games, but some games offer like camera options that might help. For example, in Kingdom Hearts, a very good example is that you can switch like this um, dynamic camera that like it follows your character around and like it moves to the left and right when you hit the wall and stuff. So you can change this dynamic camera to a static camera, which um, basically is like you can walk up, down, left, right, and the camera always stays in the same position behind you. So it makes the the whole like gaming experience more like it's for me. It's always like an appeal to like older games. Because I see this dynamic camera way more in like newer games. And these kind of camera settings are always very important to check. Because sometimes it's even like there might be like a hidden camera option. For example, in Nier also, in Nier Automata, the only reason why this run is possible is like there is no real static cam. But if you tune down the, the like camera sensitivity to like all the way down and make like all the auto lock and auto adjustments and all, all these options in the settings if you turn this all off then the camera basically moves so slow that you would need to hold to the left for like i think trade out 30 minutes for to notice a change in like the dynamic camera mm -hmm. so you make it like a basically static camera just by tuning it full down um so it's very important to check all these settings that you have available in some games it's just unfortunate there's nothing you can do like dark souls for example i tried it so often and i always i always cry so much about it that i want to blindfold it but the camera is so bad <laughs> oh yeah. i was surprised when I, I spoke to mitch about sekiro like like yeah. sekiro's got a really good combat system for yep. blindfolded uh, but it still was hugely surprising and impressive when he did it. <laughs> yeah, I was also very surprised when I first time saw the run, but it makes sense now that I like watch it more often because Sekiro has like all these like normalized positions with the hook shot, for example, and uh, uh, you can like you can wall hug, for example, like if you go to like it has much more movement options. I think that help a lot, even if the camera is still pretty bad. I think. <laughs> so for just a, I think I'm thinking about for a static cam position, would an example of that be the most recent God of War, where the camera is always like behind Kratos, like following him? Would that be an example of that? Um, I haven't really played it, so I cannot. Yes, no worries. <laughs> It may or may not be a good example for people then, but that's that's the visual I'm getting. Um, is there any games that surprised you that were completely blindfolded? Mm, completed blindfolded games. I There are many surprises, I think. <laughs> like, first of all, what we also talked, Sekiro, I was pretty surprised when I saw it the first time. Now, I like I talked also with uh, many runners, like, Mitrids, I talked very often, for example, about it. And like after hearing the strats, and it makes more sense to me. But there are still some runs that are like so crazy. I don't know. Espe like I still can cannot wrap my mind about some runs. Uh, there are, I think, like Outlast runs 
on PC where they do mouse movements blindfolded. Oh and god. I I don't I don't understand really. <laughs> I, <Sounds> I, <laughs> I, I tried it and like there was also like some weird accusations with like cheetah and everything. But there are like multiple runners actually and like I'm I'm trying to verify all these runs for like our own blindfolded community to uh, put it onto our website and stuff. And we just look at it with like our moderation team and we are like, yeah, I don't know how they do it, but they do it somehow. <laughs> um Mouse sounds like a, a more horrendous like, yeah, analog. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I still I, I play blindfolded speedruns since five years now, I think, and I would never touch my mouse a single time. <laughs> <laughs> I know that for example, Katoon uh did portal blindfolded and he did an approach that I can understand way more. He like completely deplugged his mouse and everything and plugged the controller in with minimum sensitivity settings. Mm -hmm. And he beat counted the camera turns. <laughs> so he, for example, counted six beats to the right. And then like the camera moved like very slowly to the right, uh, like six beats. And because it was so slow, it was like predictable where it will face. But yeah, it's, as you can see, it's a big, 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 big effort to to do like such a tiny camera movement for this. So yeah, mouse movement I I still don't get. It's very crazy. The same thing with there are quite there are a few Pokemon Snap runs blindfolded, and it's also if you think about it, it's basically an ego shooter. Like you have to aim with your camera like onto specific points, and while it doesn't need a mouse, it's still like on a joystick in a like three like ego shooter perspective so i also really don't understand how to do this <laughs> so mention mention dark souls was a game that that's i guess is extremely 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 difficult i guess i can never say impossible in case someone someone ends up doing <laughs> yeah that. um has there been any any other games that proved equally tricky <laughs> or nigh impossible <laughs> yeah many games like I I th throughout the years I tried a lot and lot of games to to like blindfold or even just like do segments of them blindfolded and many games I've encountered I think more games were not possible than possible that's why I like kind of take everything I can get at this point <laughs> <laughs> um of course it's a challenge to like do these things but yeah m many times things fail just on basic needs like a good camera or there are parts which are extremely RNG and blindfolded, especially there's no way of, for example, telling where you need to go. So there's always something little that messes up the run. In some famous example is Kingdom Hearts 3, I think. When it came out, I was extremely hyped because I blindfolded Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and like a side game, like the 0.2 it was called. And it was all like really long and like epic journeys. It was like seven hours blindfolded. Like it's super, like the community was was hyped. And, and then Kingdom Hearts 3 came and I was like, yeah, let's do the third game too. And I played through it casually. Everything seemed possible. The camera was okay. And then in like, I think 80% into the run, there is like a tiny mini game. Like you have to say like a boat and it has nothing to do with the story nothing it's just like a mini game that's mandatory and this mini game is just straight out impossible and it killed the entire run and it since since like three years i nobody figured out how to do this blindfolded it's it's super sad <laughs> yeah so that's one example other examples 
all the ga- all the cool games that have camera movements, as I said, like Dark Souls. I I still want to return some. I I am thinking about asking some modders to make a static cam for the game. Like it wouldn't be an official run anymore, I think, but like it's still just for myself as a like cool challenge. It would be super cool, I think. Other games, many ego shooters, like I wanted to try Half-Life 2, would also make a super cool speed game, I think, blindfolded. But yeah, turning around is just horrible. Same thing with Minecraft. Minecraft recently got blindfolded by Saver, but he had to use like hotkey control mods to make the camera turn 90 degrees left, right. So yeah, it's always like the problem. Mostly it's the camera, really. The camera is, is our biggest enemy. Camera's like the mate, like the most common factor for a run being either feasible or not. Yeah, camera and RNG sections. Hmm. I'm interested because completing a blindfolded run is impressive in of itself but then there's going further and improving the time of it and i'm just interested in what the appeal of of either one is for, for you because you go on to do to make the run faster and faster and faster and more efficient as well as completing new runs blindfolded so i was just interested in the appeal of both aspects is for you for me yeah for me i like both of these really a lot um for me it's like both part of blindfolded running kind of there are not many speedrunners like i think in a, even in our blindfolded community most of the members are like pretty good visual runners of their respective game and then they do like a blindfolded run of only their game for example so we don't have many runners like me who try to like blindfold as many games as possible and like optimize them we have like a few i i think like we still like under 10 maybe 10 people from like where like in perspective we have like i don't know 100 200 other blindfolded speedrunners or like people who have done one blindfolded speedrun so far so i think many people just like want to do like their game that they super like once and then it's like the challenge for them for me it's really appealing to try different games in both of these senses because what is fun to me most of the fun for for me comes from the routing and the optimizing of strats i actually like I wouldn't say I don't enjoy speedrunning, but the like if I actually grind a run for like a PB or something, it's definitely the least favorite part of mine. I really enjoy just routing around, finding new creative strats, like solving these little problems that we thought impossible. Um, and both of, as you said, both optimizing and finding new strats for a new run is like kind of the same if you think about it. I what I don't like is like <laughs> what I don't like is if there is already like a super optimized run. That's why I also could never speedrun. I think like visually on a very high level, if there's like a very optimized run and the strats are like established, <clears throat> like everyone does basically the same movement. It comes down to like the tiny optimizations in your movement and like the tiny tiny changes and yeah this would not be for me i think i would get very fast very bored i i I really like to like route and optimize strats in like new creative ways yeah i um i predominantly do a hitless or damageless uh, stuff and have a similar experience with i really enjoy like working out a boss or routing a boss or finding the tells and working out a route but then 
the the grind for actually getting the full run is probably still enjoyable when when you get it <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, but, yeah exactly <laughs> but uh the, the middle the middle part the grindy part is is probably one of the least favorite parts of the whole challenge run experience <laughs> yeah I, I i think exactly the same especially like for me it's i always think it's like when i actually finish the grind i i feel like super relieved and then it feels very 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 good to like look back on it um but if you actually grind it out, it's always like the, the worst part for me. <laughs> if you're approaching a, a new game, what would be the step by step? What would be like step one to ten of approaching, learning and routing that blindfolded run? I usually approach I, I think at this point I like I have a pretty pretty established system for approaching new games. I think I do like most of the time the same thing. I first I first play through the game like casually like yeah yeah most of the time i play casually through the game it's it's very rare that i like start right into the blindfolded speedrun or something it also happened but it's more like the um extreme case so first i play through it casually and at this point when i play games casually i already look for normalized movements and all of these kind of things so i i kind of lost the ability to just play full on casually but yeah i like already make myself a little picture of like oh would this be possible maybe like is there any i I like note down in my head like bosses that were particularly random or something and then the second part if i like if i decide like yeah this looks doable this looks fun i usually watch a speed run of it in like the thing is I, i i try to watch like multiple different categories because especially if there's like glitchless versus glitches, if you just watch the any percent speedrun, there might be super many like difficult skips that you can do anyways blindfolded. So you want to see like the the cool and optimized strats that people have already in like different ways. So you check different categories of different uh, runners, presumably also. Um, so basically, I do like research on the speedrun, check out guides and all of these things, um, and. Then I usually go right into like routing a few segments. I don't really learn the speedrun visually or anything. I'd go right into blindfolded. I usually just really start a new game, start from the beginning, and then route all the way to the end. And hopefully it will work out. <laughs> it it happened that I routed the game and then I noticed at like 70% in, like, oh, there's this is this section here at the end is pretty impossible. <laughs> and then yeah, I wasted quite a few hours on it already, but yeah, it happens. <laughs> no, but if I know like beforehand that there is a super difficult part, for example, in Metal Gear Solid 3, I I wanted to route it blindfolded. I never really did because I did exactly that. I played through the game casually one more time um, after a long time, and then I checked out the speedrun. It looked all fine. And then I had like... I noticed the last boss is kind of like it looks very very difficult because you have like again like an ego shooter segment you have to like shoot very precise missiles and i first wanted to check it out so i ride away i didn't start routing or anything i just right away played again through the game to this last boss to first route this out of the way basically so i have like a clear path later on because like just routing the movement from a to b in like a normal game is usually not a big problem it's most like these special cases like boss fights so i went there i tried the boss fight out and it proved possible after all like it took me quite a long time to find the cool strat but 
it worked out just pretty painfully, I would say. <laughs> like, if you consider that you would still have to do like two or three hours of movement before this to get to this part and then potentially reset there for like four hours just to kill one boss, it like, I was, I, I got a bit like, yeah, maybe I should not do it right now when I don't have much time. So it's very important in the process to like, estimate these kind of very difficult parts, I think, and first get them out of the way. But otherwise, as I said, just start in the beginning and then you just route your way through. And then you have basically your route done, you have your strategies, your setups. Um, after this comes like a memory practice segment where you basically, what I at least do is always, I play through, I have these documents, as you said earlier, I, where I write down all my strats and I play through them like visually. I just play through the game one more time while performing the strategies for blindfolded, but like with eyes <laughs> to like, it both helps me memorize all my notes and on top of that, like verifies if they are correct. For example, like, oh, this movement is actually not going, leading me to where I want to be or something. Then I can still make like little adjustments. And then, uh, yeah, then, you basically practice a few segments and then it's time for the full run in my usual approach. I guess it's, is running a full game just from not, uh, from not having experience of doing uh, full blindfolded runs, is it a case of running up to, I guess, where your memory fails and then learning that section and then coming back and then just repeating that over and over again? Or is there any sort of things that can trip a run up in that stage? when doing full runs yeah um it depends again very much on the category and game i think if there is like i would say a shorter run like a, it, it depends on on your individual preferences too of course but for me if there's a like one hour run or something then or like even even shorter let's talk about the 20 minute run maybe then what i do is even if the strats are not like 100 percent consistent and optimized yet i just try to run it like i just try then if i fail then i see okay i failed here and there this i need to re restrat reroute repractice and then i just try again until i get like a run done now most of the blindfolded speedruns are not that short <laughs> unfortunately so in these cases um i think it's very important to like really confirm that all your strategies work that you have enough backups like you can save at some point and then like reload it or something. It's very important to have many of these backups because if we speak of like a, like I think the average runtime of like blindfolded is more like three plus hours. And yeah, you don't want to spend so much of your like energy and effort to like fail two hours in or something and a stupid little trick that you routed wrong because you had like a backflip not enough or something. So you really want to make sure to to have all the strats right and to have your memory um, correct. It's happened before in many cases in various runners, also not only me. That yeah, you in a in a very long run in the middle of the run, like something just doesn't work out anymore. You have no idea why it fails. It's just some weird new thing that you haven't practiced or a new rng variation that you haven't like encountered and didn't anticipate and then yeah it's it's hard but you have to just sometimes quit and reset and look at it again and try again could you talk a little about the mental aspect that goes on whilst running because uh, like say a very small amount of experience i've had i found it very 
I guess, mentally tiring just going through short segments, but doing something like a three-hour run must be must be that plus times by 10. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a very big part. Um, like, it is a very, very exhausting and mentally draining challenge run, I think, like, blindfolded in specific. In my experience... It got definitely better with time and experience. So yeah, the first, even the, like the first years I did it, it was always very, very like exhausting for me. Even like short, short segments, as you said, like I was running 16 star a lot in my early days and I got it down to like a one hour run. And even those were like, yeah, I, I could do like one or two runs a day and that's it. Like, even if I had like time free time i could i couldn't run more i was just like so tired afterwards i guess it's just like your brain needs to get used to like processing the information in this other way that like without visuals and just having these numbers in your head and all by now it's it's really become second nature to me i have like no problem even doing very long runs i think don't know when that change happened or anything but i guess you just get used to it otherwise yeah it kind of i i always would i always really like to advise to new runners that they should get like familiar with being blindfolded and <laughs> if they do like the first run maybe like practice really with the blindfold on and like see how it is and experience like, being blindfolded for like a bit longer because there are also like instances, some people, for example, have like big troubles with it. I know of some runners who like they, they get like nauseous or something if they are too long blindfolded. Like I don't have these symptoms myself, but I heard of them. So I always really like to advise to like first get used to it. Maybe it's like a very different thing from usual. So, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of resources, yes, for learning the runs mentioned using the speed runs of the game, the visual speed runs um, for strats, making notes, uh, detailed notes of the route. Is there any sort of other blindfolded resources for games that people could use for, I guess, existing runs that have been completed? Um, you mentioned a couple of times like a community is there anywhere people could look if they wanted to find or were more interested in trying to get involved in, in blindfolded runs? Yeah, so our community is mostly on their way currently in Discord. Like we have a Discord server and we also have a website right now, which is called blindfoldedgaming.com. There you can find like, I would say 90% of the blindfolded runs that have been found so far. <laughs> like we try to update it and we try to verify all these runs with our small team. We have only like five moderators there. So we try our best, but yeah, there are like all these runs and the runners are linked to there. And there's also a link to the Discord. And most of the documents, for example, if if you are like, for I would say, I, I don't know, I just, I see a, a new run, for example, here, Celeste, and I see, for example, Saver has run it, Gatoon has run it. Um, what I would suggest is to, if you're interested in trying that run, definitely, first of all, <laughs> watch it because maybe it will not be that interesting anymore after you see how much struggle is involved. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> now, if you are really like interested in that run, I would really recommend just writing the runners or like joining our discord and all the i can i can assure you many of the runners are inside our discord and if not then we can try to help to get in contact with them so like our, our community is pretty small i would say and like we like to help each other anyways 
it's like we don't have really like a resource hub or anything besides the website where the runs are listed. So everyone has like their own nodes. It's not like because I think especially SM64, for example, is a pretty extreme example at this point. Like we have we recently had the eleventh person beat the game blindfolded. And it sounds probably like not much, but it's so many runners for blindfolded in one game. Like the average, really, the average runner count of a game is one or two. There's, it's very rare that there is more than one person running a game blindfolded. So I would really highly recommend just reaching out to that person, and they would be probably very happy to talk about it and help out with that. In terms of like the bigger runs, like SM64, at this point, yeah, we also are like on speedrun.com, for example, documents. Yeah, my, if you if you see my name anywhere there, I have all my documents also public. As you mentioned earlier, they are on my Twitch page, for example. But yeah, we don't really have like a central resource hub. I would just recommend speaking to each other. I guess um, <clears throat> along the lines of it's small community, but you also do a job of also promoting like um, these runners uh, because you do a a monthly YouTube blindfolded news, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've said that so badly then, but uh, Bubsy, <laughs> Bubsy does a, a monthly YouTube video showing any blindfolded news improvements, speed runs, new runs, uh, stuff that's happened over the last month. I guess, <laughs> the last, I don't know where I'm going with this. But yeah. that, that's, that's what, no, but it's, it's yeah. correct. It's correct. Yeah. I, I'm doing that. <laughs> it started pretty recently. Uh, I think... Last year in November or in August or something, I started. Um, mostly the idea came because we had like a big search of runners, of like new runners. And yeah, I find I found it like pretty sad that nobody knows of the other runs of each other because as I said, most of the people run like one game and then the rest is like outside. So I thought it might be a cool idea to like collect all the all the new runners, all the new improvements of a month and put them like together. So People can see like not only their game maybe, but like maybe explore some other games. And I, I mean, I'm not the I'm I have to admit I'm not the best like video editor or anything. I have I'm I tried I wanted to start it to like learn a bit more about it, but I think like for the community it's pretty nice. I heard pretty good feedback of people that they like saw new games for the first time that they are now interested in running, for example, or that they are like getting motivated to run new stuff by it to like get into it themselves and all so i think it's it's cool i i i'm glad i started it yeah i was trying to go somewhere with that point but just like ran into a wall i don't like (laughs) (laughs) Um, it happens (laughs) uh, in terms of streaming i guess it must be an interesting experience practicing blindfolded when I guess, obviously, a big aspect of streaming is chat interaction. Uh, so how is the experience being a blindfolded runner streaming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a different one, I think, than a usual streamer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. And it's, it's pretty sad that we can't talk that much with chat and all. Because, yeah, when we are blindfolded, first of all, we can't read the chat. Second of all, even if we would have, like, text-to-speech or something it would kind of disqualify the run a bit because people could help you or they could troll you even <laughs> give you wrong advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's honestly the big, bigger concern that they will troll you instead of help you. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like for verification purposes, not really advised. 
to have text to speech in chat and yeah it, it's not really cool i um i think especially also like it's such a niche kind of deal like i think speed running is already pretty niche if you then go into challenge runs that's like even ne more niche and then like in challenge runs themselves so like blindfolded runs it's like very deep down there somewhere so the viewer base is not super like there, there's not really much knowledge about that this even exists or anything i was extreme maybe now a bit of a side note but i was so surprised when twitch added their like tag system back in 2018 or something when when you can, where you can like tag your stream as like speed running for example from day one there was a blindfold attack and i don't know why but there was one <laughs> so shout out to twitch for putting that up <laughs> yeah but um it's 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 very it's very sad that we can't really talk much that's why like i now i got a bit of like a bigger stream community after my recent uh gdq appearances and stuff uh which i'm super grateful for of course but um I I really advise like other blindfolded runners or like people in like more like these niche communities to just like also stream your practice and everything and like your routing because what I did in the past years like in my first I think 3 or 4 years of streaming where I still like had the I don't know 5 3 to 5 view average or something <laughs> I basically only streamed my full runs and like i practiced everything off stream i routed everything off stream because i thought like yeah it's probably super boring nobody wants to watch it and like it's more like i i need to think a lot during it so i felt like maybe i will even myself perform worse but if you like want to have streaming as a hobby too instead of just like blindfolded running or like speed running i think this time that you could spend while practicing and actually interacting also with chat for example because uh during practice you don't always have to blindfold on you don't sit there for hours like you don't start stream put the blindfold on and end stream when you take it off you actually can like talk a bit you can like engage a bit more with chat so i think it's it's very important to and not only is it important to like to do this kind of like just stream your practice maybe and i would say like sacrifice some of your concentration and your time to also like engage in the chat because if you want to be a streamer or like if you stream i think it's a very big part and you can't just overlook that but not only that but also um i heard recently like i very often ask my chat and i hear so often these days that they enjoy watching the routing more than me doing runs and it's such a like i I still can't like understand it, like describe my mind being blown because really all these years I streamed like only the runs because I really thought it's super boring probably, but it's not like if there are people who are interested in the game and in the run, then they will also appreciate watching the like preparation for it. So yeah, it's like, it's, <laughs> that's one thing I can say about it. Like, I think it's pretty important to also just like stream everything around not just the end result i guess it's an, a, a potential aspect of it maybe like other people enjoying that puzzle aspect you mentioned earlier that you, you're watching at the same time as the streamer as the runner trying to work out how to do this section and then once you've figured it out it's sort of and everyone's happy kind of like everyone's yeah like yeah it really is like <laughs> if we find if we find like cool strats or like something super unique that suddenly works it's like such a hype moment <laughs> 
and not only that, but also like I cannot count the times how often a random chat messenger came and was like, "Why don't you try that?" And it's something like so stupid that like <laughs> you would never think about it, and you try it and it works, and it's absolutely insane. Like it, it's it's really like. It, because people, if you if you work on these projects with multiple eyes and like multiple people, there will be more points of view on the, on the problem, and it always can only help. Just going a little bit into events you mentioned, GDQ, which is a uh, Games on Quick, a, a, a large ch uh, charity fundraising event showcasing a variety of uh, different speed runs. I don't know if, if you were uh, last year now, and <laughs> God, it's February. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, GDQ, ESA, European Speedrun Assembly. Um, how do you find um do you enjoy uh, participating in events like that yeah i i enjoy it a lot actually i, I for me it's like one of the biggest parts of of speedrunning actually like as i said like the run itself if i grind the speedrun for like a pv it's not super like the best aspect for me but showing it at the marathon is like a completely different story because for me personally it's like super important to like showcase blindfolded to the world kind of so whenever i have the chance to just show something or like a run i'm like so excited and it makes me so happy to like be able to share this hobby with like many people who haven't seen this probably before because even if you stream and do pb attempts it's usually like the same people who come to watch and the same people who um who know this kind of run already but if you have the opportunity to perform it in front of like so many like new eyes who have never seen this before it's like always this first time seeing someone doing something crazy blindfolded it's like wow this is so cool they always like say and for the for this moment for like for this to make people excited like this it's 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 a really good feeling for me i i really enjoy doing that yeah i think we we, we met uh god my stuttering <laughs> uh we mentioned uh uh, Mitch uh, earlier on to do doing Sekro blindfolded, and during the G recent GDQ, Sekro was trending on on Twitter because everyone mm -hmm. was uh, so shocked about uh, the run. Which is yeah, great to see. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> it's really uh, really amazing, especially with the game like Sekro, where obviously from software renowned for the difficulty. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like taking the mick <laughs> a little bit yeah um a sort of odd uh, not i guess not odd one but i think one that not many people uh, including myself um is not aware of could you say what rta is uh, or the event rta um yeah i, I mean rta as like the word itself it, rta in yeah. japan sorry i should have said in full ah, okay okay <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a that's a different that's a different topic then. <laughs> yeah. RTA in Japan is um, actually another very very big um, speedrun marathon like Gamestone Quick or ESA, and it actually is after GDQ the biggest speedrun marathon in the world. I think it's like in terms of viewership and like participation, it is getting very close to like viewer numbers that GDQ has these days. So it averages around. 80 to 100,000 people watching like constantly. So it's a very big event actually, which many people don't really know because it is only inside Japan and it only features Japanese runners usually. So uh, yeah, that's that's RTA in Japan. And I was fortunate enough to already run for them twice. Mostly in 2019, I was there in person because I was living in Japan that time. And then 
now when was it half a year ago i think yeah half a year ago around i performed against super mario 64 for an online event because i don't live there anymore but since COVID happened i could still participate online which i'm very happy about and yeah um it's it's really cool like i think it, i think at this point they also have like english restreams like gdq also has in many different languages so i could definitely only recommend if there is some cool event or i'm going on check out the like restream the event itself is only in japanese but yeah <laughs> some cool runs going on though definitely yeah. high high quality speed runs for sure do you speak japanese then i just noticed uh, the speaking, uh, speaking yeah the event i i studied it since pretty long already and like i wouldn't say i'm super super fluent but i can manage <laughs> if you had one piece of advice for a new blindfolded runner what would that be mm, have fun <laughs> <laughs> the classic <Yeah. laughs> no i know every speedrunner always says this and and it never makes really good advice, I think, but <laughs> uh, no, really, f what I would suggest is take a game that you'll enjoy because you will spend really, really long times routing it if you are especially doing your first blindfolded speedrun and you don't want to do this with the game you just barely like. Uh, so I would highly recommend doing some childhood classic that you really enjoy, preferably with good background music, because you will hear that most very often, <laughs> that soundtrack. Unless, <laughs> That's you, need, my... unless hmm? you need it, unless you need that soundtrack. For yeah, <laughs> it's actually one of my worst favorite parts of blindfolded speedrunning, because you cannot practice without, like, you cannot practice with just listening to music or anything. You always have to listen to the background music, no matter what, <laughs> for your setups and Sometimes it gets really annoying if if you hear the same song for two hours already and well. <laughs> Do you have any particular? I guess from listening to so many for so long, do you have any particular favorites um, throughout your games you've done, mm. like OSTs? I <laughs> favorites, and I mean I can from like right now I can tell you two that I particularly hate, especially <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that's that's good as well. <laughs> and. In both are in Super Mario 64. First of all, like the water stage music, the in Die Die Docks and JLD, ah, okay. yeah. it's a favorite. Like it's a it's a really good piece. It's it's a really nice music piece. Really, I enjoy it. I sometimes listen to it on YouTube, even like in my off time, and people enjoyed it a lot. But if you are blindfolded and if you are routing in the stage for literally three hours back to back and you are blindfolded and this super soothing water music is like playing there and making you fall asleep slowly <laughs> it's 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 horrible it really makes you go insane and the exact opposite is in in the later stages in tic tac clock and rainbow right where it's the exact opposite the music is so hyper and high tension it's like so fast there are drums everywhere and you just sit there for like three hours and you like feel like you you, you drank 50 energy drinks i don't know <laughs> it's, it's crazy but now favorite otherwise favorite soundtrack i i really love everything in in near automata it's as it's as i said it's very unfortunate that we have to tune down the music a bit because it's too loud um but that that soundtrack is just a masterpiece that's just reminded me um how do you, the and and unfortunately been reminded from i guess a bad moment f with the uh, near automata but how do you deal with crashes or technical issues whilst blindfolded <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it it happens. <laughs> yeah, as you said, in near Tomata, I had a very bad one in a after three hours being blindfolded, and after a three hour long run, my PS4 crashed once, which is not so cool. No, it's, it's it sucks. <laughs> but yeah, it can happen. I mean, what you gonna do? Like, there's technical issues are always like that. And it's the same, I think, in visual and in if you're on PB pace and like your console crashes or something, it's always gonna be very rough. But since it's nothing in your power, I think it's something that where you just need to move on and try again. I guess I'm wondering is the I guess in a lot of cases it's when you don't transition to something else or the music is playing or you don't hear footsteps, but is there any cases where there's not that sort of cue to let you know that something's gone wrong? Yeah, or I, I had actually like many technical difficulties in my life already. <laughs> Once was fun when I did my first Pokemon Red Run. And it's super, oh my god, my Pokemon Red Run, it was horrible. Now that I think about it. In my very first attempt of Pokemon Red, like for reference, the speedrun is like three hours long around. Like I think my PB is like three hours 14 currently. So the first run I did was I accidentally muted everything in OBS and then put on my blindfold so we have the super nice footage of my first run without any audio <laughs> <laughs> and yeah in chat people were telling me of course but i couldn't read so yeah that was not good second run i performed the run on an emulator on my laptop and i forgot to plug in my power supply so oh, funnily damn. enough i noticed it because the game started the audio of the game started lagging at some point so much that i was thinking that something has to be wrong <laughs> so i just like during the run i like touched where the power supply should be and i found out that it's not there and i found it like lying on my table so i quickly put it in but yeah the vod was like half super laggy because the power supply wasn't in in mario 64 one of my saddest moments i think is i did 70 star for like back in the days there was like 70 star was like not a thing cartoon did the run it was like i don't know eight hours long for reference now the world record is one hour something it's like it has gotten lots lots faster but like i tried to beat that record of cartoon back then and i managed to get the like seven hour run so a bit faster but yeah my obs crashed during the run and it made no sound whatsoever and i had no recording of it after all so I sat there for seven hours, basically, and I didn't have any proof left. <laughs> so that was pretty sad. I was I was very upset. Even like even now, when I look back, like of course now I can do the same run in like under two hours, easy. But yeah, it was like a milestone, and that there is like nothing left of it. It's, it kind of sucks. Lastly, I think I once in Kingdom Hearts I practiced, and my PS4 controller battery ran out. <laughs> And while it makes a sound, it blended in together with all the boss fight music that was playing, so I didn't hear it, and I was super confused about why my character doesn't move anymore. <laughs> yeah, there are many technical issues. <laughs> yeah, I think I uh, recognize a couple from your, I can't remember the title of, of your video, it's something like top 10 problems or fails or Yeah, I did one, in... one of these fails once. <laughs> um, which I'd recommend people checking out if you want to visuals i guess this is the term for the day <laughs> visuals for those uh one that just reminded me of like waking up in the morning was when you had an alarm uh, alarm go off um i'm not sure what the reason was uh but obviously having <laughs> to keep the blindfolded on and trying to find the phone <laughs> the, yeah and it just reminded me of like in the morning when you're trying to find the snooze button and you're like trying to keep 
Like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, it's fun how much thing, how much, how many things can go wrong while you are devoid of sight. <laughs> if one game could be released tomorrow, either an announced, unannounced, or a sequel to a game you don't think will ever exist, what game would it be? Oh, that's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> I wish for many, many, many games. I think, um, and many remakes with better cameras. That's my wish. <laughs> uh, no, but. First of all, like personally, like completely, if we leave out any blindfolded or speedrun aspects, I really would love a new sequel of this whole Nier saga, like Nier Automata and the previous, the Nier, just the normal Nier, I think it's called, or Gestalt. Um, also, Drakengard, the super prequel of all these, it's like my favorite series, so... If anything new gets announced from that, I'm I'm happy enough. From a speedrunning perspective, mm, it's a good question. I don't particularly know, actually. Don't think I have any speedruns I look super forward to right now, like blindfolded at least. Yeah. So if there's one of those games that you could remake or would, would want a remastered version for blindfolded, what would it be? I, I definitely think Dark Souls still. <laughs> like... If 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 there would be a static camera option, I would really be so so happy. And the thing is, I know it's probably possible with mods because it has a super huge mod community to Dark Souls. So I think it wouldn't even be so difficult to achieve. I could probably even commission someone to like make a mod like this pretty easily. But yeah, I should look into that. <laughs> I'm getting, I I should do this and not just like talk about it. Yeah, but this Dark Souls I would really enjoy. I, it was one of my favorite casual experiences, Dark Souls 1. And I know, like, we know that boss fights are all possible. I think boss fights have all been done already, like, separately, just the movement was impossible because of the cam. So, probably that. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Elden Ring next week or in a week and a half. It's uh... Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> exciting. It's true. Uh, the hype is... is is rising even though it's been there for like several years now <laughs> yeah i'm also very excited for it and um, i bet with you it has a bad camera too <laughs> plus open world so even... yeah exactly um <laughs> uh, to do with the mental aspect of uh challenge running could you tell me if there is a time about a time when a particular run was taking its toll and how you got past it mm, it definitely for me like many of my long runs were from like Kingdom Hearts and Nier and SM64 70 Star. I think those were the longest I did. They were all like six to 10 hours long. And you can just really feel after, I think like after the like five to six hour mark, you can feel your focus starting to like drift away super hard. Like it just becomes so difficult to focus and like keep your concentration up so you it, it's very strange because you get like into this state where you just play the game you don't really notice anything outside anymore you are like super in it like this flow kind of state but on the same time it becomes so hard to like concentrate so it's like it feels like you are like in a weird weird not fever dream but like in a weird state of mind and i think it's pretty difficult to push through this because i think especially if you keep going like at the end of the runs it gets usually better again it's just like it's like a it's like a low and then it gets up again kind of deal if i said most hyped or celebrated moment on stream 
what moment would come to mind? For me personally, I would say my near Automata e-ending run is still one of my favorite moments in life. <laughs> like, it probably isn't, like, in my community or anything viewed as that big, but... For me personally, it was such a huge milestone. Um, like it, I, it, it was a speedrun for reference that clocked in with ten hours and sixteen minutes, I think, without break, without anything, just me and the game. And like as I said, it's like my favorite game series, and the game means like super much to me. And to finish like the, this category is like the all, basically like the main story, the all endings, and like yeah. It was like I, I met many super amazing people in the community through through the Neo Automata speedrunning community. I met really amazing people and we became like friends and all. We talked pretty often. I still have contact to some of them like nowadays, even if it's like years later. And yeah, they were all like there in chats and there's this like super hype moment in Nia at the very end where the credits are like playing and there's still like a you play basically the credits and there's like nice music and everyone is just like crying around that the game is over and for me it was very very special somehow this this whole moment because i knew that it also means that i will kind of be done with this game and have to leave this community again because for me it's always like this like i go into a community like i meet people i route the game and then after i'm done i'm done like i have to move on so it was like very emotional and and a very big moment for me i think i really i really like it and the final question will be what's in the future plans of bubsy i have way too many plans um <laughs> <laughs> it's i have like a backlog of blindfolded runs for the next three years i think it's I have so so many runs that I want to do and so many runs that I started that haven't finished and oh yeah. But currently like in March now I will I'm I'm currently working since already way too long on 120 stars on SM64. Like I practiced for this one single run attempt since over a year now. Every week, like four days a week. <laughs> so I put lots and lots of time into this run and as crazy hype as it will be, I will be glad when it's over because yeah, it's really has been going on for more than a year now and I've put so many other projects aside for this. So when this is done, I have like a few games that I want to go back and uh, finish finally, categories that I want to finish. I want to go back to Nier Automata 2 because I rerouted the entire route with like new out of bounds skips that have been found and all. So I have like the ready route laying around since I think two years now, and I have not finished a single run yet because I don't have time, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous at this point. Like really, it's I, I have the full route, everything is ready. I even practiced it and all. Like I'm pretty sure I could relearn it in like two days, but I just don't have the mental capabilities right now. So I'll go back there. I have two categories of Ocarina of Time fully routed that I just need to learn and perform. Yeah, I have many, many games that I want to blindfold. I really, the list is long. Like I can't even remember now, <laughs> especially also like potential future projects. I have many, I really want to dive into uh, Smash Bros. Brawl subspace. Um, a mystery or how it's called like the story mode that would be cool to blindfold like it has like the fighting game aspect 2d platforming aspect it's like a good mix of all i am recently very interested in xenoblade chronicles 2 any percent new game plus 
it will be like a long RPG run again, very different from what they do these days, but like I personally really enjoy blindfolding RPGs like that. What else? Many people demand me to try Super Mario Bros. Since recently, like many new strats got developed, I they want me to try it out. Yeah, really, really, I could go on for days. I <laughs> I should just say it's a big list. <laughs> What's an estimate on like a one twenty star run in terms of like um like the runtime? Currently, I estimate around twelve to sixteen hours. I think like it will be a huge undertaking. The thing is not really that like like my sum of best of all the segments that I practiced so far is like way lower actually like the sum of best is at around I think it will clock in around just over eight hours but of course that's like when things go perfect and the problem is there are not many but a few certain stars that just are so incredibly difficult that were like never meant to be blindfolded I think (laughs) (laughs) and these particular stars I just have to calculate that it is possible that I just get stuck at these stars for one or two hours and i have to accept it that's why the estimate is so high and if people wanted to check you out to watch these runs check out more about blindfolded running where would they be looking um at twitch.tv bubsia i'm streaming like in the week mostly in like european daytime <laughs> uh yeah i usually stream like four five times a week you can find me there otherwise on my youtube um, also slash bubsia you can find all my PBs there. I recently tried to upload more of also like non-PB stuff, just like segments or little highlights. And as we talked earlier, the like blindfolded news, for example. So I'm trying to push out content there too. Otherwise, I'm active on Twitter, Bubsy one at Twitter. I always post the news of new PBs and events that I perform in and stuff there. So it's very good to keep up with news. Otherwise, yeah, everyone feel free to do reach out to me in Discord if you have questions. I'm always ready to help, happy to help. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I super appreciate the time, Bubsy, taking time out for today for this. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you've had a good time as well, man. Yes, thank you very, very much. It was very fun. And I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to it and hope everyone has a great day, morning or evening, depending on your time zone. And we'll catch you in the next episode. If you enjoyed that conversation and want to hear more of the amazing guests, be sure to head over to youtube.com slash wave Loki, Loki spelled with a C, or wave Loki.com slash no hit podcast.